We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday september 12 2022 ladies and gentlemen welcome to week two of the nfl season because week one is over the green bay packers are not winners in week one they lose to the minnesota vikings 23 to 7 at U.S. Bank Stadium, um, never really that close, you know, once the game started going. I mean, they had chances to tie the game and all that good stuff, but once it was 10 nothing, they never got it back within two scores or anything like that. So uh, frustrating all-around uh, performance, especially when – and this is like the last two years, the season opener is, is tough because in the NFL it means more. You know, opening day in baseball can be that way, but – in baseball, it's like you play tomorrow, you know, like if you lose it, well, baseball has this stupid thing where they have an off day after opening day. So they don't always play tomorrow, but football, you don't play tomorrow. You play in a week and you wait all this time, hoping that you have an opportunity to see your team that you haven't seen in the Packers case. You know, we hadn't seen them since uh, the playoff debacle against the San Francisco 49ers in January, where they pissed away an opportunity to host an NFC championship game and honestly, in, in my opinion, go to the Super Bowl because I don't think the Rams would have stood a chance in that particular setting, but I digress. And then you open that and it's just like one giant lump of coal. So I'm your host this evening to talk about said lump of coal. I am Jacob Westdorf and I am joined by Santa Claus, who is full of takes tonight, but not any invitations to his wedding. Jacob Morley. Jacob. What? What do you want? What do you want from me? <laughs> oh, I man. Uh, well, I, included, I, I feel like you use I, me for my streaming subscription and my microphone, and that's it. Um, That's false. I just told you off the air because Ross, um, who was invited. <laughs> I just told you that you were my 67th choice. Yes, you did I say just, that. Well, Ross is out. He said, screw you. I don't want to come see you. I don't know anyone at your wedding. So I'm not going. My wife really wants to go and get out of town for a weekend, but I don't want to. And so I said, Jacob, you're in, buddy. You're in. And you said, oh, I think I'm moving that weekend. So I don't even know what that means. And uh, I didn't say I think I'm moving that weekend. I said, I think I'm moving 
but just well, to you're, clarify. So the people know Jacob's invited. Actually, I need Jacob to probably officiate the wedding because he's got such a sultry voice. Um, so I'm going to need I am ordained, so uh, that could be a thing if you really Why? wanted it to be. Why am I ordained? I had somebody else ask me to officiate their wedding in April, so I got ordained about six weeks ago. Oh, well, there you go. You're in. And they'll okay. let anybody do that, apparently. Yeah, so <laughs> quite quite clearly. The other voice with the Schadenfreude and the Mockery, which is, you know, that's that's a pretty standard brand there. Uh, one Ross, Uglum Ross, um, friends with quite a few Vikings fans. So it's rough out here, I would imagine. Not, not a great day to uh, live deep in the heart, that's for sure. Um, yeah, dis- disappointing. Um, but... Uh, I think I'm with Rodgers. Do I think that they're going to rest their starters in week 18? I don't know about that, but I'm less freaked out after this week than I was after last year's week one, if that helps. That's interesting because I, I don't know if I don't feel the same. Like last year, it was just so obvious, I think, to me that it was like, okay, this game was weird. They played in Jacksonville instead of, uh, New Orleans like they were supposed to and they laid an egg like that's not something that's going to happen honestly the only time that I was really concerned about the Packers last year in that early season was when <laughs> they're going <laughs> blow for blow with the Detroit Lions the next week for a half until then I'm like hey man this team really might actually stink if they're going that way with a, a bad Detroit Lions team the concern I have is is related to uh, it's the offensive side of the ball And this is a team that came into the year uh, saying they're going to win with defense. I don't necessarily agree that that was their original plan. I don't think that's what they wanted, quote unquote, to do because they offered Devontae Adams a ton of money. Like they were willing to kind of run it back, so to speak, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, The problem that I have with this team and the reason that, you know, (laughs) Ross, you kind of made a joke about it a while ago, but I said earlier, like the only way I thought Aaron Rodgers retired was if they win the Super Bowl. And then I put in parentheses, they're not. And one of the reasons I thought that is because I don't know how they score enough points against teams that are, you know, at least good defensively. And yesterday didn't do a lot to quell those concerns. Uh, their passing game was very horizontal, save for the first play of the game, which I'm not going to get on Christian Watson for, for, I mean, catch the ball, but like that's going to happen. I just don't know how on a play-to-play basis, how they're going to be able to do stuff structured within the offense. And I think there's not a whole lot that you saw yesterday, at least in my opinion, that could change that. Obviously you've seen the stat about Adams and his receiving yards versus the Packers. And listen, I know Packer fans are going to get upset about that all season. Every time it's brought up saying like, we don't care, blah, blah. But that's a, that's a big story. The Packers are trying to figure out how to run their offense without Devontae Adams and it's not often that a player was in Green Bay and just basically says, okay, I don't, you know, I don't really want to be here anymore. Time to go sort of thing. So that's kind of my concern is they always had that trump card of Rogers to Adams. It's third and five. You need a play to get the offense moving Rogers to Adams. It's third and 10. You need a big play, get a big first down Rogers to Adams. It's you're in the red zone. You got to draw one up Rogers to Adams. Like I know that was pitched as a negative throughout the off season by some really smart people, but the first step, Ross, uh, the, for the first day without trying to figure that out, not so good. No, it wasn't. And ultimately, I mean, I think Matt LaFleur is really, really good at his job. 
And so that's why I'm not panicking. Um, these games where the team kind of gets punched in the mouth and they don't jump, you know, bounce back. Very few comeback wins in the history of Matt LaFleur. But you're 39 and 10. I don't need you to come back if you're going to win four for everyone you everyone you lose. You know, you're going to win almost 80% of your games. I don't care if you're not the comeback king. That used to be something that people would get on Rodgers about, you know, was the lack of fourth quarter comebacks. And it's like, well, a lot of the time he's up 21 in the fourth quarter getting sat, you know. Um, ultimately, I'm actually – and we can talk about this, but I, I am more concerned with the defense. Oh, and that's and, yeah, I'm not not concerned with the defense either, because when you say this entire team is built around quote unquote win with defense, and then they get they didn't stop the run particularly well. They gave up over they gave up four and a half yards of crack to both backs yesterday. And the Vikings have won with all due respect to Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen's on the back nine of his career. The Vikings have one offensive player that you circle on the whiteboard and say, Hey, we got to figure out a way to not going to stop him, but can you slow him down? And green Bay couldn't do that. Morley. Yeah. I think last year looking at that game, you kind of just like, eh, whatever it's, it was weird. Like there's no way they're that bad. They have Devonte and Rogers. They will figure it out. And to, you know, and they did, and they did figure it out. And I think they'll figure it out again this year, but, the the fact of the matter is, is there's a higher chance this year that they might not be that good. And I I don't think that's the case. I do think they're good. But Devontae's not walking through that door. You know, they need to they need to figure it out on offense. Now what I think will help is your two bookend tackles coming back. I think the progression of these young wide receivers will help. Um, I think Al Lazard coming back will help. But defensively, what I think the issue kind of is, is I think Joe Barry and company were kind of drinking some of their own Kool-Aid all offseason where they thought, hey, we got dogs everywhere on this defense. Let's roll out the helmets and they're just going to be dogs. And that's not really today's NFL. They, even if you have the good players, everybody's got good players you still need to be able to put them in a position to be successful. And I think that was the biggest uh, disappointing thing, takeaway, I guess, from this game. And the thing that I'm sure we will talk about is, do we believe in Joe Barry and his staff? Do we believe that he can week in and week out, get these guys to a place where their talent can do the talking for them? Because week one certainly was not the case for that. I mean, it's, it's getting beat to death. And Jair himself even talked about it. That is frustrating uh, for him. It's frustrating as a fan for your number one corner, potentially in the NFL, to get paid all that money to guard K.J. Osborne. I mean, props to the Vikings to, to get Justin Jefferson in the position that they did over and over and over again. And some of that we as Packers fans got to enjoy in the past. And I'm sure opposing teams have had this conversation many a time. Where after the game, they, they say, hey, 17 was the one guy you needed to stop. And we didn't do it. Some of that is just the offense getting those guys in a position to make plays. But you have to counter that on defense. If you are going to say all offseason that, hey, while this young offense figures it out, we're going to get carried by our defense that we really believe in. It didn't happen week one. You know, 
good news is, boys, the good news is we got some good medicine coming in next week. Got some good medicine coming in next week in the Chicago Bears, and hopefully they can kind of right the ship and fix things um, next week when not all that happens. Because you know the one and one and oh Chicago Bears are are on top of the Packers right now in the NFC North, albeit the Packers are nine and a half point favorites. But uh, they're going to have to go out and do it. They're going to have to go out and prove it. So I am curious to hear kind of Ross's take and yours too, Jacob. Just kind of on 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 that wavelength of do we, you know. Do we believe that Joe Barry can make this defense a top five, top three defense that we have kind of been led to believe it's capable of? Yeah, and here's here's the problem that I had all offseason when we kept talking about how good this defense is going to be. And like last year, they were so good and they were just so they were bad. They were not a good defense last year. And the numbers bear that out. I know they finished very well. They played incredible against the San Francisco 49ers and kudos to them, but game to game week to week, and even down to down, not very good. And obviously there's a caveat of Jair Alexander didn't play for basically what three months of the season and played nine snaps in the playoffs. I understand all of those things. Uh, Anybody who's listened to me and Morley, I know we've talked about this a lot when it comes to coordinators. I'm not saying that the coordinators don't matter because I don't think that the Packers are utilizing or utilized their personnel in the best way that they could uh, yesterday as we record this on a Monday night against Minnesota. However, you know, the other thing is like when you're saying, oh, they got dudes everywhere. Well, it's like, well, Quay Walker's a rookie and he played okay yesterday, but Darnell Savage, what if he stinks? Adrian Amos, what if he's old? What if Rasul Douglas turns into a pumpkin? Eric Stokes, I didn't think, played particularly well yesterday. What if he's not very good? Um, I thought the front did a good job rushing the passer. They didn't have, like, that overwhelmingly dominant game. Morley, you just posted the stats on hurries. They had, I think, four guys with multiple hurries against Kirk Cousins. So that's obviously a positive. But by saying, like, hey, this team's going to be a dominant defense and Green Bay is going to win this year by being dominant on defense, That's something they haven't been. And the Packers have not been a dominant defense since 2010. And what, and what does, what does a dominant defense even look like in today's NFL? Is it a dominant defense is the defense that could gives up a crap ton of yards and hopefully gets turnovers. Because I just think the way the NFL is geared nowadays, the 85 bears are not, are, are not a thing. The 2000 Ravens are not a thing. Like I just, even, you know, the no fly zone or whatever, the, the Legion of Legion of boom. Was that them? The Seahawks that was, that was good for a minute. Uh, That's not, I mean, I just don't think that's really something we're going to see in today's NFL anymore. And I think we saw why just in week one with the way that Kevin O'Connell was just able to scheme up his best players uh, to be wide open time and time again. So what does a dominant defense look like? Because you just said it of 30. So Kirk Cousins dropped back 33 times, according to pro football focus, he was pressured 20 of them. That's a lot. That's a really high pressure rate. And it still seemed like at times he just was sitting back there. I mean, like often, like I would have never guessed that he was under pressure for more than 75% of his dropbacks. That that seems absurd to me because it seems like either he got the ball out quick or he had time. And by the way, guys, look at the way Kirk Cousins has played against the Packers the last few years. I get I get the jokes about Kirk Cousins, 
But the dude has been nails against the Packers. He's played really well against the Packers. And I don't get it. I just don't get it. Because you look at some of the other stuff and you look at two-minute Kirk when he gives the ball to the other team. That doesn't happen against Green Bay for whatever reason. Uh, He's locked in and he's ready to go. Maybe it's the familiar opponent. I don't know. But, man, he has been every bit. I mean, I looked – I put him him in Rodgers' last four games, Vikings versus Packers, against each other. They're very similar. Except Kirk's three and one, and Rodgers is one and three. And I get QB wins is not a real stat, but Rodgers is putting up MVP type numbers because he's the back to back MVP. And Kirk Cousins has been able to go blow to, go blow for blow with him against the Packers. And I think that's something that you know what we we give Kirk a ton of crap a lot, but man, I kind of respect his game, especially against the Packers. Like he's played really well um, in situations versus Green Bay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ross, you said your biggest concern was on the defensive side of the ball, and I grabbed some of the the talking points that I know we've discussed on this show, but just kind of elaborate on that a little bit. I, I mean, you have the 22nd overall defense in DVOA last year. I get absolutely lambasted on the Bird app after the season ends because the the defense can't get a stop when they need to because Joe Barry's crew, um, you know, held down a Jimmy Garoppolo who was so injured he needed to have off-season sur- surgery in 12-degree weather. Like, they weren't good a, a season ago, and – it was okay. Well, they've got Jair back. Cool. They lost Darius Smith. You know, um, I, I just you go back and look at what that team did after shutting out Russell Wilson with one finger. Give up thirty-four points in a loss to Minnesota. Give up twenty-eight points in a win against the Rams. Give up thirty to Justin Fields at home. Give up 
30 to Tyler Huntley, whatever is fine, I guess, against the Browns and, and then against uh, – They were terrible against Cleveland, though. Like, if Baker yeah. Mayfield can throw the ball to the right team, one right. more t- – like, if he doesn't – if he throws three picks instead of four, Cleveland wins. And then, you know, uh, Sean Mannion can't get it done in Lambeau Field. Surprise, surprise. But then they give up 37 points to the Lions. And I, I know they weren't necessarily trying to win that game, but this is a guy – who has coordinated bad defenses his entire career. And, you know, I I got apologists talking about how bad the personnel was in Washington, how bad the personnel was in Detroit, and and all that's fine. At the same time, there is zero track record for success. He has never even coordinated a defense in the top half of the league. And you give him a, a off the ball linebacker, which however much you think that matters, and a defensive tackle who's probably not going to be able to contribute in a major way until the second half of the season or the beginning of next year. And you give him Jair Alexander, and you say, "Okay, you've got Jair Alexander now. Go from twenty second to fifth. What big jump? What what jump. what? And you're asking a guy who." by all accounts, isn't that good? So uh, this entire offseason, crowning this defense, not playing them at all in the preseason, and just assuming they're going to carry this team when you got a guy in Joe Barry that can't figure out that you should cover Justin Jefferson with Jair Alexander, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know, man. I really, really struggle. And I, Ross, I don't think you're alone. I think a, a big majority of Packers fans kind of felt the same way where it's like everyone keeps propping them up. But, yeah, that's great. Like, cool. I hope that's right. But who was really all in on that? Like, I, as Packers, pe- people that we have followed and covered this team, when have they ever had a good – I mean, it's just not something that's in their DNA. So it would have been so bizarre for them to all of a sudden just be like, all right, top five defense now. Because they've invested in this defense since Rodgers has been here. And they've had guys on that side of the ball. And they were only, they've only been able to really put it together one time, and they won a freaking Super Bowl that year. Now, can that still happen this year? Like, of course it can. Of course it can. And, I, and it's been one week. You know, this is overreaction Tuesday. And the overreaction might be that the defense is just going to be terrible. Because they did some good things, too. They did some good things in that game. But I think just – you know, the word of the week, I think, is disjointed because that's how that whole game looked. And I just don't know what it's going to take because I like I'm with you, Ross. Like, I do not believe in Joe Barry. I don't. And if he does coach this team to a top five finish, I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he does. But like you just said, there's there is absolutely zero indication that he can do that. And so. What and is, on that same have? note, Morley, while we're talking coordinators, just to be fair, there's zero indication that the players the Packers have put together can do that. Like the guys that are like the Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith defense of 2019 wasn't very good. Like that's mm-hmm. the other thing. That group in 2019, they were the team that, or they were the unit that quote unquote led the team, but it was basically sacks and turnovers, which I mean, great. Those things are awesome, obviously, but on a play to play basis, not very good. 2020 defense. 
Kevin King, Chandon Sullivan, all the way down the field. Pick, 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 all the way down the field. Last year's team, same sort of deal. Not that good. Like we've covered a thousand times. Like they just, they weren't a very good defense. And like, I mean, I'm not saying like if, if Bill Belichick came over and coordinated the defense, they wouldn't be good. But like you said, there's no evidence that Barry can coordinate a good defense. And there's no evidence that this group together can be a good defense. And the worst part of it, we've talked about this team's depth all off season and all of their guys played yesterday. They were all healthy until, you know, Quay Walker obviously left with an injury. Chris Barnes did well, um, came out of that about as well as you could have hoped, I think. But what happens when, you know, Ross is talking about you give him Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, who maybe isn't going to contribute this year and Jair Alexander and say, go, well, what happens if, and when Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith have to miss time? Cause None of those other inside outside linebackers I have ever seen anything from. Hey, Kingsley uh, was good in an NFL. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say in an NFL game outside of one game, like, but even still, okay, they're gonna rotate guys like they do. Like, I'm concerned about their edge rushing depth. I'm concerned about their depth in the secondary, and I'm concerned that like their safeties might stink. Now, Adrian Amos, I think, will figure it out. But Savage, like, what the hell was that on the Justin Jefferson deep over where he literally spun four different directions? before figuring out that's where he was supposed to be. Like the the fall of Darnell Savage from NFC title game against Tampa in 2020, I guess that would have been 2020 now, 2021 now, until now is just baffling to me. And like you mentioned, Morley, one of the reasons that I wasn't as high on the Packers, and I've, I've admitted this, maybe it was fear of the unknown because my entire life since 1991, cognitively started watching in, you know, 98, 99, 2000, somewhere around that time frame, it's been – build around the quarterback, score a bunch of points and hope your defense is good enough. And they've won a lot of games doing things that way. Now they're trying to basically like completely flip that script in an NFL that doesn't encourage you to play defense. Like they encourage seven on seven for lack of better phrasing. Like you can't be terrible. You can't be worse than the league on defense, but like the Rams last year, they weren't great on defense, but they were good enough and they made enough good plays when it counted and Aaron and having Aaron Donald certainly helps that. But you're asking for a couple of plays here or there, but I think asking to build your team morally, like you said, those those Seahawks teams from the mid-2010s, the 80s Bears, the 2000 Ravens, whatever, I don't think that's possible to build a team that way in 2022. Yeah, and I think I think they're still going to live and die on turnovers and sacks, and I think that's how you're supposed to build a defense these days. But the problem is they will feast against bad quarterbacks. I bet next week they – you know, who knows what happens next week? Justin Fields is probably a Hall of Famer now, right? So that's we'll current see. Hall of Famer, Justin Fields. That's correct. We we will we shall see. I mean, he won a game in the rain, so uh, we'll see. But they they tend to feast on bad quarterbacks and and shrink into their shells against good quarterbacks, and that's kind of been the case with this team. And I think last year that's what people got so excited about with this defense, right? Is like, hey, they they you know Mahomes. Murray and Russell Wilson, like I don't think they threw a touchdown pass against this defense in three games, but that was in the middle of the Chiefs' weird phase where they were bad. That was hammered toe. Beginning of Arizona's collapse. Yeah, that's kind of what broke Kyler Murray was Russell Douglas, and and then obviously Russell Wilson had one hand, so it was kind of fool's gold. I think a fool's gold because. I think the next week was it Huntley came in and lit them up. So, I mean, I mean, I, I just don't know, man. We, we will see. This is probably overreaction. And I hope, 
I truly hope that people go back to this podcast and make fun of us in week 17 after this defense is is good and top three, like everyone said they would be. Uh, but I just don't see that happening. I do I do have one thing I do need to ask Ross just on air because dude, the Christian Watson drop broke me a little bit inside. I gotta oh, be honest. Brother, I when I saw because he absolutely flambeed Patrick Peterson. And he could have fallen down and walked into the end zone. I, yeah. I when that ball was in the air. And I knew it was C-Dub because he's got that single-digit nine. I, The range of emotions, you have no idea. Because if he would have caught that and gone to the crib, I would have been a problem on here. Yeah, same. And why can't why, That's my point, Ross. Why can't we have nice things? Dude, bro, I know. Yeah, um, look, I, I, it sucks too because some of the dunderheads, you know, got – deep into their MVS comps again. And I saw, I saw someone comparing him a Vikings fan to Troy Williamson oh to boy. today. That's <laughs> That's Troy Williamson, great. who they took a, in front of Aaron Rodgers, just yeah. Troy and, your, and your Erasmus James shout out. Took a, a guy who, who got taken seventh overall. That's a, it's a good comp. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It broke me. I'll say this, though. Like, you have to remember that, first of all, after the game, Watson seemed less bothered by it than anyone. Like, he just was like, yeah, I dropped it. Like, I'll make that 99 times out of 100. And he, like, laughed about it, which is good or bad. You know, it's not great because he dropped it and he's make that play. But if there's anything I know about the program that he's coming from, those guys – are basically forged in adversity the four years they're at NDSU. So like if there's anyone that can mentally get over that, I think it's I think it's Watson. And I think the fact that Rogers, you know, he came back to him later in that game. They gave him the jet sweep, all that kind of stuff. Like he's still going to be involved in this offense. And the fact that he absolutely roasted Patrick Peterson, it's still a good sign. Like he's going to catch those balls. Um the bad news is is he Ross, he dropped some passes like that at NDSU too. He did. Yeah. And uh, and at NDSU, he just could do it every single time and get open. They could basically go deep to him whenever they wanted to. It's the NFL, which on the one chance that he had, it seems like he can do that on this level too. Actually, it doesn't seem like he can. He absolutely can. But he's yeah. got to catch that ball. He's got to catch it. And uh, well, and that's the that's the like I, that was one thing for me. I, I drops drops. I get, but like I that's it for me on on his eval. Like I, he. People say he doesn't run routes. Yeah, he does. He, he absolutely runs runs routes, and he gets in and out of his breaks at full speed. Um, that wasn't just a straight fly route that he ran against Patrick Peterson. And I'm somebody who's been skeptical about. So as the non-North Dakota State media member here, I mean, I've been skeptical about his uh, – my, yeah. you know, my, my eval from was different. That was absolutely routing – Patrick Peterson, and I know Patrick Peterson's not Pat Pete from Arizona – but that's still a guy who's going to be like in the hall of very good. And it's your first game. And like you guys were talking about how, like, is that good or bad that he basically doesn't have an issue after the game or whatever? I think it's a good thing because it would be very easy for a rookie coming from an FCS program to now playing with the green Bay Packers. And I know he played with Trey Lance at, at North Dakota state, but he hasn't played with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers before. And Rodgers has, you know, you always hear, 
the standard. Well, <laughs> if, if people on the internet knew what holding guys accountable and holding them to the standard meant, they'd probably think that like every quarterback ever was a, a jerk. Like that's just kind of what that means. So it's very easy for somebody to drop a pass and then just kind of crawl into his hole and never be heard from again for five or six weeks. Watson didn't do that. I think he deserves credit. Continue. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, the other thing, too, that has kind of grinded my gears a little bit is the the peanut, the peanut gallery basically saying, hey, he's not going to throw him the ball anymore now because he dropped one pass. That's so far from, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't, he doesn't have a choice. And, guys, MVS dropped passes like that, and Rodgers would go back to him on the same series. Like, yeah. Ro- I, I don't think Rodgers' issue is drops. Rodgers has played this game long enough to know that guys are going to drop the football at times. Devontae Adams went through that phase as well. I think Rodgers' bigger issue with guys is when you you don't do the right thing. And ultimately, I think Watson, for the most part, was in the right spots when he was supposed to be. There's going to be some growing pains. Rodgers, self, I mean, he admitted that. He talked about preaching patience because these young guys are going to be in the wrong spots at times. But – through and through, Watson is a smart football player, and he's going to figure it out like any young player will. And I think, like Ross just said, he's not going to have a choice. He's got to go back to these guys. So we'll see. And I can't wait for next week. I think that's the the hardest thing. And I bet for Christian, that's the hardest thing as well, is the he's fact that he's got to wait. He's, he's got to wait a whole two week. Snap guy. Number two snap getter at wide receiver. Yeah, they, and this they is a guy who didn't play one snap in the preseason either. Not a so snap. it's not so it's not like he went out there and quote unquote earned a job. I'm not saying that he didn't earn it and they just like handed it to him, but like you guys understand what I'm getting at with that. It's right. Like, they gave him what? you burned two first round picks on a guy, you take him higher than you took Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, et cetera, et cetera. He gonna play. Yeah, yeah. And he's gonna play now, like right now. And I think that's something that we'll we'll keep an eye on. Cause like I said, they don't have a choice. Like Christian Watson is gonna play and Rodgers is gonna have to throw him the ball. And I don't, you know, you can go back to it doesn't even have to be MBS, guys. Like, I mean, go back to in the Super Bowl, and I know that was a long time ago, blah, blah, blah. But like in the Super Bowl, it would have been very easy for Aaron Rodgers to just say, Okay, no more James Jones, no more Jordy Nelson. Because like he went from drop to Nelson to hitting Nelson on maybe the biggest third down conversion of the game prior to the Greg Jennings one. Back-to-back plays. Jordy had the dropsies when he was young. I, you so did James forget, Jones. So did Devontae. Greg oh, Jennings nope, threw him lesser. Like Devontae dropped the ball. No. Like, all of those guys did. Jordy, Devontae, Jermichael Finley, like, all of them dudes. They had issues with dropping the ball. And when you throw the ball as much as the Packers should and have, that's going to happen. 
Like, and I think I, I kind of ascribe to the same theory that Ross has over, maybe it's just because I've known Ross for 10 years now, but like drops are a fixable problem. And because I've seen it happen, Devante, even by the end of his career, Devante would drop the ball every now and again, but drops are a fixable issue. Devante, James Jones, Jordy, like all those guys. So I think Watson will be fine. I'm not, I'm not concerned about that, but I am happy that you brought that up. Let's kick ahead a little bit because we're running short on time to Chicago. Jake Morley, you mentioned, you know, like medicine for uh, the Green Bay Packers is, is playing against the Chicago Bears. And Chicago, for those of you that didn't watch uh, Sunday, they win 19 to 10 against a, a San Francisco team that I am still, I don't know how you guys felt about them, but I'm pretty high on them. I still buy into Trey Lance. I still think that that is something that it's going to be great for undisputed type shows with Skip and Shannon and morons like that. But like, otherwise I think he'll be fine. I think that roster is good if they're healthy. I mean, they uh, played in a puddle and they played yeah. in a puddle. Now they played in a puddle. I watched the whole game obviously because Trey's my guy. Um, and first of all, I, I will say this guard center guard, San Francisco stinks. Which is I don't wild know. to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that happened from a roster perspective. They stink. And also McGlinchey was bad. But he's a good player and we'll figure it out. Their guard center guard issues are serious in San Francisco, but I, I digress. Yeah, yeah, I don't like think I said, you... they played a monsoon. That was the other thing. I mean, I know that both teams played a monsoon or whatever, but it's like that uh that game, remember how I think it was Halloween two years ago when the wind was blowing like a million miles an hour in Green Bay, and it basically leveled the playing field for the Vikings, who were yes. the lesser team. Absolutely, they were the lesser team. That's the way that that works, right? Is the weather can help play into the advantage of the lesser team, which I mean that's football. That's the way the game is played. I understand that, but Chicago's coming in. They are one and zero. They're flying high. They're feeling good. Especially after, you know, I mean, honestly, some of the stuff that has been written about them, maybe it'll still come to fruition, but three and 14, the worst offense ever, blah, 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 all that stuff. That being said, I didn't watch a ton of Chicago yesterday. I watched some of it. Um, you know, I think that one of the, the one touchdown they scored was a nice play by fields, but it's out of structure on a broken play, like from a play to play down to down basis. I wasn't overly impressed by their offense. I thought their defense did a good job. The with, EQ touchdown was a sweet one by Getz. That was pretty. Yeah, that was yeah, good that was by sweet. all the parties involved. I thought it was a sweet throw and a good catch by EQ too. So, like, all of that was good. Their defense, I thought, played well. They've got some – and the Bears are always, like – not I shouldn't say always, but it seems like they're always at least competitive on the defensive side of the ball. And with Eberflus there, that's the way that that's going to be. The Packers are now nine-and-a-half-point favorites, which I made the joke yesterday. That's two more points than they scored – uh, against Minnesota. So I thought, you know, not funny, but I got to make some self-depreciating humor to, to cope with losing on opening weekend in Minnesota. I do think that green Bay is going to win this game, but I will give the caveat that I feel less confident about it than I would in a normal setting. And maybe that's because like I said, I, same stuff I said at the top of the drop guys, like I don't know if the defense is any good. I don't know if that's going to matter because the Bears offense is terrible. But I also don't know how the Packers score points. And like yesterday wasn't helpful in, oh, how do the Packers score points? Like, okay, I know they dropped the bomb. I know they didn't convert on a fourth and one in the red zone. If those two things happen, it's 23-21. But even still, clunky, disjointed, and that's the way it's going to look for a while until they figure some things out. And I don't even know. 
Like, are they going to be able to figure some of those things out? Christian Watson's going to go through his growing pains. Romeo Dobbs is going to go through his growing pains. Sammy Watkins isn't very good and is going to get hurt at some point. Is Alan Lazard the key that unlocks everything? I don't think so. He's like slightly above replacement level player to me. Like and a, that's a good player, but not a great one. And Robert Tunyon, you know, I, I always thought was kind of a product of Matt LaFleur's scheme and playing with MVS and MVS's speed and Devontae. But I don't know how they score, but I mean, I do feel good that they're going to win the game. But I think that's just basically because what I've been alive for 30 years and the Bears have beaten the Packers like five times in those 30 years. Morley, how do yeah. you feel? Oh, I think if they get one of those tackles back, that's going to go a long way. I think they, I think I do think Lazard will help this offense quite a bit just because he's a Rodgers guy. And I think that he's going to be just kind of a steady and calm presence out there that they didn't really have. I mean, I know, yes, Randall Cobb was out there, but Cobby is, I mean, he's basically a coach on the field at this point. And I, I, they need someone, they just need someone that Rogers can be confident in play in and play out. That's going to be out there because the young guys just aren't there yet. And, uh, but again, man, it, if once they get Bakhtiari down and back, that is going to make such a world of difference for this offense because if 12's got time back there, it really don't matter who he's throwing the ball to. You know, that that's and that's not just 12. That's that's quarterbacking in today's NFL. NFL quarterbacks, if you give them all day, are gonna find someone. Since the beginning right. of quarterbacking, right? I guess right, the question right. then, Ross, is what happens if they don't get Bakhtiari? Because Ryan Wood has already reported that it's likely that Bakhtiari misses the home opener, and he said it was probably the same with Elton Jenkins. And let me just go on the record. I firmly disagree with the idea of quote unquote holding them out if they're healthy, which is kind of the way that it's been insinuated, which I think is, is stupid personally, but Ross, what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can beat Chicago with out those two. Um, and ultimately what, I mean, what really matters January, you know, this is as long as, as long as Rodgers is the quarterback, like nothing that happens in the regular season actually matters, you know? Um, it's all about how ready are you to try and win a championship in January, and it hasn't worked out in 10, 12 years. But I, I just – they can't go one, two. They, they can't, you know, go one and three. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of that – that's a good idea, but – Ultimately, I'm I'm fine now. If they're ready to play, let them play. You know, I I, I don't disagree with that. But um, avoiding re-injury stuff like that, making sure you're better uh, in December and January than you were in September, I'm I'm actually cool with with that philosophy because they're not building something, right? I mean, they're built. <laughs> this they are what they are until Rogers is gone. Then we can start talking about building something. Yeah, and that'll be at least one more season, and we'll see longer on that. That's going to do it for this edition of the Packaday Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Give us a like, subscribe, rating, all that stuff, preferably five stars on those ratings. You can follow the show on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. You can follow Ross. He's at Ross Uglum. You can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley. And I am at Jacob Westendorf. Looking forward to talking to you guys next week, hopefully after a Packers win. We will see you guys then and enjoy the rest of your week.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.